Welcome to Love Quirks, the relationship and love podcast about sparking your connections and understanding the big picture of love. If you're neurospicy, kind of quirky, or just a regular old human wanting to spark your relationships with more connection, more love, more acceptance, and more understanding, this podcast is for you. I'm your host, Crystal Clark. Join my quirky crew on your journey to being sparked forever because no one is normal and all love quirks. Welcome everyone to our love space today. You know, what you already know about me is that it's my mission on here to make you all get excited to be proactive about your relationships, right? To be thinking about getting more of that real relationship energy, right? As I like to call it, the RRE, um, into your everyday lives, making it easy for you to feel, you know, vibrant about being in love. I mean, I love love. Some people think it's super cheesy and and whatever, but I, you know, that's why I'm here because I love love. I want everyone to get lots of it and in lots of different forms, right? Doesn't always have to be romantic love that we're chatting about here because uh, as you know, all of our human relationships have these same foundational big picture building blocks and we can bring in more of our friend love, more of our family love, more of our romantic love you know, with any of these things that we're ever exploring on here for the most part. But I know that some of you, some of you might find some of this a little scary, right? Because really what I'm asking you to do when I say like, let's destigmatize this and let's be proactive is, you know, really I'm asking you to try some new things, to go into the unknown a little bit. You know, and and I can understand, I've been at those points where, you know, it's scary to do something new. It's scary to go into the unknown. And it's actually, it's that's actually okay. I just want you to let, let you guys know that that is amazingly normal. You know, I was reading this book called uh, Surrounded by Idiots, and I can't remember the author's name just off the top of my head. Um, I want to say it's Erickson something. I'll put it in the show notes just so I make sure I give him full credit to, for <laughs> for his wonderful book. And now not everyone likes that book. I do like it in some ways. I don't think it's 100% accurate, but I do think it has some good points. And as I like it, as I like to think in big picture ideas, it really helps you think about human interactions and people and different maybe personality types um, and how us little human beings really interact with each other. It helps. It uh, does some big picture ideas for that. Right. And actually, you know, another good point that that book actually with the besides the big picture ideas is it really gets across the idea that communication is not inherently good or bad. Right. And that's, you know, what I I've talked about previously is that the idea of communication is is just sending and receiving messages. And whether we've happened to do, you know, um, if we've happened to get our message across in in an an impactful way or a meaningful way or in an accurate way, that's great, but that doesn't always happen. But that doesn't mean the way we communicated was inherently good or bad um, or what have you. But anywho, 
So in that book, he kind of talks about how, you know, because we can look at all populations on a curve and we're always going to have that big mountainy bubble part in the middle that shows us the majority. So he talks about the fact that that bubble part is taken up by the color green, right? People who are the color green and that most of the population and even, uh, you know, us who are maybe not full on green people, we have some green in us. And that green people have a reluctancy to change just for the sake that they kind of enjoy the status quo or they kind of enjoy the known. Right. And don't don't we all enjoy, you know, and you can even see that. And again, this the Surrounded by Idiots books, he does do a lot of uh, workplace situational examples. And in that, you can sort of see, like, if you've ever tried to do systems change or organizational behavior, and you're trying to, uh, you know, bring in a new, like a new way to do things in an office or a new, you know, system or a new management team or anything like that, right? Trying to change the culture of a place is very, very difficult. And I think that so I do think his point could possibly be true that there are a lot of people who are greens. And even if they're maybe not super happy in a situation, that the idea of change can be even scarier, can be even more intimidating and overwhelming than, you know, the what the uncomfortableness they're feeling at the moment. So that makes sense. And I just tell you that little bit from that book to help you really see that it's normal to feel uncomfortable about the idea of change. And especially for, you know, my neurospicy peeps, you know, some of us can have difficulty with pre-imagining situations and scenarios, and that can make new situations and new scenarios seem, you know, unpredictable um, and even a bit, you know, unsafe. So at me asking you to be proactive and putting energy in your relationships or, you know, even if your relationships are already a little bit in not a good spot, a little bit rocky, a little, you know, have a bit of the ickiness to them, you know, a big worry can be like, what if that change, what if me working on it actually made it worse? And isn't that the thing that keeps us stuck, right? Is thinking those what ifs. What if I shared my feelings? What if I expressed my needs? What if, what if, what if, what if we could go down, right? Couldn't we go all of us at certain days, certain days, certain times, all go down a huge scary tunnel of what if, but what if you don't? What if you don't make those changes? What if you don't try to be proactive, right? To me, that seems, that seems much scarier, I think, than anything else is that what if piece to being stuck and, you know, staying where we are. That to me seems like a more, a more frightening question to answer, but that's why you're lucky to be here, right? Because we're not going to go down a crazy what if rabbit hole, <laughs> right? You know, so again, that relationship work, bleh, I don't like that word, as we know. Remember that we're not usually using the word work, but, right? Because, blah, who wants to do work? That seems scary and daunting, right? And that doesn't seem like a good way to do change. But the idea of relationship work means that 
you know, can mean to some people, or maybe has mean to, has meant to you in previous experiences, that you're going to find out or be told all of the laundry list of things that you're doing wrong. And I think, again, that's why I think, you know, we really need to destigmatize working on relationships because I think that's what a lot of people think it's about is that I get to go learn about all the things that I'm not good at doing or I can't do or that I've been wrong about. That's not what we're doing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Why would you come every week if that's what we're going to do? That's That does sound horrible. Don't do that. Don't go. <laughs> all right. Right, don't do that. That'd be silly. Okay, so we're here, right? Because of the big picture idea of using our cake model, right? Our communication, affection, kindfulness, energy kind of framework, and thinking of about our real relationship energy, right? Our RRE. We're exploring and learning about it together. We're learning about not what's wrong, but maybe what's not working for you, right? Like if if we think about that on a really basic level, like say you're, uh, you go to a doctor and you're getting hives and uh, the doctor, you sort of figure out it's milk. That's, I mean, I just bring this up because this is the problem I, <laughs> I have. Milk gives me hives. But, you know, if you think about it, is the doctor going to be like, oh, you've been wrong <laughs> drinking milk? No, the doctor is going to say, you know what? It's not working for you. Let's try some soy milk, some almond milk, some other you know, non-dairy milk replacement, or, you know, maybe just not, just no milk ideas. Um, but that's, you know, that's what, how it should also be when we're working on our relationships. It's not what's wrong, you know, for the most part, it's what's not working or what needs to be adjusted or what needs to be tweaked or added or taken away, right? Like, please take away my milk. Great idea. You know, and we're also looking at our relationships from a teamwork or here's our hot sexy word as a collaboration right between two people because I have uh, my bonus kids I know that there's not as much group work that goes on in schools nowadays for whatever reason but really being in a long-term relationship it's like a long-term group work project, right? You're constantly making group decisions. You're constantly bouncing ideas off of each other. You're constantly brainstorming and putting things together. It really is a collaboration. And it's not about two people battling out for supremacy, right? It's not about one person going to counseling or relationship coaching to get to find out who's the winner of the relationship and then who gets to do make all of the right choices versus the person who is just the wrong choice maker. And I think that's how a lot of people can feel. Maybe that's how some of you have felt in the past, right? Going to therapy or coaching or getting advice from friends. I mean, sometimes advice from friends can be the best and sometimes it can, you know, absolutely be the worst, right? So thinking about getting away from that, right? That we're here to do collaborative work, that we're here as a team, right? And I think a lot of the times the couples that are kind of, I'll use the word accidentally. <laughs> I don't know that anyone's ever accidentally. Uh, well, I guess some people are accidentally successful. Some people may know why they're being, why they're successful in their relationships, in their collaboration as a couple. But I think that couples 
you know, who may not even know that they're doing it and who are being successful in growing their energy together are usually doing or are usually making a lot of group decisions together, right? They're doing a lot of, you know, chatting and talking about decisions and openingly, open, openingly, yes, openingly listening to each other. There we go. Come on, mouth. Openingly listening to each other with open ears. There we go. That's a bit better. And, you know, when you're proactive about your relationship or about getting your relationship back into shape, you're going to also, you're going to be doing that. You're going to be making a lot of decisions together, decisions that are going to lead to changes together. And it's actually been shown that change and challenging ourselves with new situations or new conversations with each other or trying out those new details, right? Those details I'm always talking about that you get to fill in, right? The big picture, that your details that you're using to fill in the big picture ideas. That these things, these things strengthen, these, these challenges, these changes actually strengthen our bond with each other. Okay, I'll pause to let that just set in, right? So change and challenges. When we have kindfulness with each other, strengthens our bonds. Studies have also shown that it increases our energy. Well, that's amazing because I always love to go on about our <laughs> real relationship energy, right? And how we're so lucky the beginning of our relationships to have that new relationship energy that we get to feel. And let's get that real relationship energy to continue, right? So these changes and challenges and experiencing new situations and conversations together actually creates that energy. Well, that's amazing. That's not scary. That's actually fantastic, right? Because that leads us to creating, it also actually leads us to create more positive memories and more shared experiences with each other, being in more new situations, experiencing more changes, experiencing more new conversations, right? More new decision-making. That's amazing. So just starting on the path of change and deciding that, yes, we're going to be proactive or yes, we're going to work on things, just making that decision to be on that path actually already starts the positive things, right? Because to make that change to be on the path, we're already experiencing a change. We're already starting new conversations. We're already being in a new situation together. So that's already making these small things that are going to strengthen our bonds and increase our energy for each other and, um, and you know, and increase making those positive memories and shared experiences together. That's right. That is right. Yes. Making the decision to be proactive about your relationship, that has already got you before you even do anything else, before we even explore the cake model, before we even do any of that, that's already got you on the path to being sparked. 
Thanks to my quirky crew for sharing this space and your connection time with me once again. It's really, truly appreciated. If you're new here, I hope this time sparked your love and relationship energy too, and that you'll be joining us again. If something sparked you today, connected with you, delighted you, do reach out, find me on TikTok at sparked underscore forever or through my website, sparkedforever.com to get your free copy of Cake Night, your mini guide to making date night sweeter. Don't forget to send some love out by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Not only does this send me some love, but it helps others find us on their relationship journey. Until next time, be sparked.